Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Another beautiful morning here. Going to be probably a little warm again, but I haven't heard how the temperature is doing up there with you guys. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of a, a break, a little more rain. We had a beautiful rainy day yesterday, so we enjoyed that. And today, who knows? But if you have um, <clears throat> any <laughs> things to pray for, let me know. I've not been checking the weather as far as the flooding goes and, and the tornadoes. And I don't want to um, <laughs> not be concerned, not be thinking about some of some people that might be living in some pretty hard-hit areas right now. The drought seems to be what's really going all over the place, uh, very severe in so many parts, so many areas right now. In fact, uh, it's affecting the economy in Europe because they can't get up and down the Rhine to take their produce on the barges. The water level's so low. So that's kind of strange. Well, let's look over today into this day in history and uh, there is some interesting things I want us to see as far as what happened um, learned a couple of things first we'll start off we'll start off with a dad joke just one today because it's so good what kind of birds stick together velcros makes sense and we have a famous quote today from Winston Churchill you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks and I'm sure talking about his critics and people didn't agree with him it's true can't let everybody pull you down stop to try and argue with them just set your mind to what God wants you to do and do it on this day, August 31st, 1997, Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales, dies as a result of her injuries sustained in a car crash. Now, her boyfriend, Dodi, or Dodai, Faid, and the driver were pronounced it unseen. The 18-month French judicial investigation found that the crash was caused by the driver, Paul, who lost control of the car at high speed while drunk and on antidepressants. The investigation concluded that the paparazzi was not near the Mercedes at the time, but Fayed's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, claimed that the couple was executed by MA6 agents because Diana was pregnant with Dodi Fayed's child, and they were about to announce their engagement. And in light of all the weird stuff going on with the U.S. and the CIA and everything they do politically, I don't have that hard of a time believing that. It's not that hard for me to, to think that they might stoop that low. Uh, Froggy from Little Rascals died on this day on August 31st, 1948, at only 16 years old. He um, was hit and killed by a truck while delivering newspapers riding on a motor scooter 
motor scooter. His friend was driving the motor scooter and turned in front of a truck. Uh, sadly. Interesting. You know, they didn't get paid very much. You, you think, you know, today he would be a, a mega millionaire or something. Uh, if they got paid for all those episodes and the reruns. But here he was at 16 years old doing a paper route. He obviously was not uh, well off. And the um, Jack the Ripper first victim was on this day in 1888. And three-month murder investigation. Oh, during the three months, he, he claims five victims. He was never caught. Very sad. Oh, and last but not least, let's not forget, Barney's favorite musical album comes out on this day, 1993. How many of you guys got that? Featuring 27 songs by Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Yeah, I missed that one. I just totally missed it. Okay, let's move over to the reading for today. Find your place, please. We are in Isaiah 6 and 7, 2 Corinthians 6. Father, thank you for our time. Guide us, direct us, bless us, God, as we go into your word and help us understand Isaiah's prophecies, which are often very, very, very profound and deep. So thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. The one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven." Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are devastated and without inhabitant. Houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate, and the Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Chapter 7, now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzai, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of 
Israel went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but it could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Arameans have camped in Ephraim, his heart, and the hearts of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake in the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son Shear Jiob, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Ramaliah. Because Aram with Ephraim and the sons of Ramaliah has planned evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tebil as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Now within another sixty-five years, Ephraim will be shattered, so that it is no longer a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Verse 10, Then the Lord spoke again, to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself, for the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. And Ahaz said, I will not seek, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men, that you will not try the patience of my God as well? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And he will eat curds and honey at a time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings are dread will be forsaken. The Lord will bring on you, on your people, and on your father's house such days as has never come since the day of Ephraim separated as Judah and the king of Assyria. And that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is in the remotest part of the rivers of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they will come and settle on the steep ravines, on the ledges of the cliff and all the thorn bushes and in all the watering places. In that day, the Lord will shave with razor hired for the reasons beyond the Euphrates, that is, with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair and the legs, and it will also remove the beard. Now, in that day, a man may keep alive a heifer and a pair of sheep. And because of the abundance of the milk produced, he will eat curds, for everyone that is left within the land will eat curds and honey. And it will come about in that day that every place where there used to be a thousand vines valued at a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. People will come there with bows and arrows because all the land will be briars and thorns. As for all the hills which are used to be cultivated with the hoe, you will not go there because of fear of the briars and thorns, but they will become a place for pasturing oxen and for sheep to trample. So two of the most probably profound prophecies or visions and prophecies we find in the book of Isaiah here, chapter 6, chapter 7. In the day of Uzziah's death, Isaiah gets this vision of the temple and uh, and the glory of God, and the 
call of God. He comes before God and he's unclean and the angel comes with this coal from the altar, touches his lips to purify him, to speak for God. It's so beautiful, the imagery, and so amazing. And he's so honest as being a man of un- unclean lips. In my life, this chapter has been profound. The very first sermon I ever did was Isaiah chapter 6. And it was actually given to me in a dream. I was asked to go cover from my friend up in up in Taos, actually a little place called Angel Fire. And uh, he couldn't go. He asked me to go do it, and I had no idea what to what to teach on. I had not officially really done ever done a sermon before. So uh, I just prayed and prayed and prayed, mm-hmm. and uh, God just popped in my brain, Isaiah 6. And I, uh, I think I'm trying to remember whether it was early in the morning or whether it was came, when I woke up, I remembered, and now it's vague. But anyway, it wasn't just me going, hmm, like I knew the story really well. I just, it was something I was led to and I was shocked <laughs> because it is about coming before God with unclean clean lips and feeling, um, in a sense, unworthy. And it is a call into ministry. So it was profound for me and uh, it meant a lot to me. But what I remember more than anything was studying the, the temple and the glory of God and, and his, his train fills the temple you know, of course not the physical train the train of his robe and you know the the whole majesty and the glory of everything that Isaiah was experiencing and and so taken back I guess by by the glory of God that he couldn't speak and just say I, I can't do anything I'm just a human. I'm unclean. And then his lips are touched. So he did not have a natural ability to speak out for God. God had to give him that. This is one of the things that we learn as we grow in Christ, that God gives us the abilities. We don't really have them. Even if we're naturally talented, that is something that God (laughs) wired into us in part of his creation of us. So... He is humbled, and he's given this ministry. Now, people argue, when did this happen? Because some people think this was his initial call before he started the book of Isaiah and and started the first five chapters, speaking about the kings there and its pronouncement. Other people think that, well, this may have happened later as a specific call or a a ratification of the call. It doesn't really matter. But he was clearly called by God and the message was interesting and this is the other thing some people say well he was to go tell Israel that God was going to harden and keep them from repentance because his judgment had come upon them and they were going to go into captivity that can be a valid interpretation that can be but in the sense that most people other scholars say that what he's his ministry was still a call to repentance they were to repent or else they were going to go into captivity land would become desolate with briars and thorns and all this. And their response was going to be, we don't care. We're not going to repent. And so he's speaking in that sense that this is what's going to happen to you if you don't repent, but you're not going to believe it. You're not going to, you're not going to change. And that is exactly what happened. Assyria came and did take them away 14 months later. Again, this is why some people think this is initial call of Isaiah. 
because some things when he's in those first five chapters that he was speaking um, prior to this, they had some of the captivity or the captivity had happened. So timeline, not 100% here, sure, but it is interesting. And then we move into the next chapter, and the next chapter is about the virgin birth, and the sign would be given, and this is uh, one of those chapters where you go, huh, what? Now, it does relate to Jesus, obviously we use Isaiah 7, a child will be born to us, a son will be given, but in this context, it seems, historical context and scholarly work, that there was not a virgin that gave birth to a son back then, but a young maid, because the two were synonymous, that there would be a young woman that would bear a child, and that child would then exhibit those exactly what he said would happen there in that chapter. So it was not going to, it would not be a miraculous birth as in the birth of Jesus. It would just be a, a, a young woman and they were to look for the signs when the child was growing up. So that seems to be the interpretation of that confirmation. And yet within that we have the seeds of the future prophetic prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. As we know, so many prophecies have a near and far fulfillment. It's very interesting. But this is all sad because so much of what Isaiah had to do is have a ministry to people that were not willing to repent and hardening their heart. And he has to tell them, you're going to go into these times of, of captivity until you break, until you finally yield yourself up and get and ask for forgiveness. And then you're going to come back. And the tenth is always referring to the remnant there's always a remnant that god will hold on to and and that remnant will will have abundance they i mean they will be able to have produce of off the land and god will kind of bless the abundance of or i give an abundance to the 10th i think but uh anyway that's that's isaiah 6 and 7 briefly you could go into a lot of detail on that if you had the time second corinthians chapter 6 their mystery condemned the title and working together with him we also urge you not to receive the grace of god in vain for he says at the acceptable time i listened to you on the day of salvation i helped you behold now is the acceptable time behold now is the day of salvation giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in affliction, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and for the left, by the glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, 
In a like exchange, I speak as to children. Open wide to us. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Bilal? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So Paul clearly is defining his ministry as one of love and self-sacrifice and giving all for the gospel. This was contrary to the false teachers that were there trying to gain followings and gaining money that were looking for people to give them money and they wanted control and power and these kind of things. We still have that today. But look, we did all things for you. We... (laughs) You know what we went through. And they were beaten and they were mistreated. They were thought to be liars. And he says, you know, they tried to kill us, but we're not dead. All of these things that they were misunderstood. But he says, we've come to you. We've come to you. And Paul says, we've come openly, openly to you. uh, Essentially to love you and guide you into the truth. And yet there's... He says, you guys are acting ungodly is really what he's getting at. You're acting unwise and ungodly. And there's, we know there was a lot of adultery going on. There was obviously drunkenness going on. There was a lot of bad things going on. And this idea of idolatry, this, um, they would, um, some of the men would go up to the temple of, um, gosh, I guess it was, I, I just forgot, Was it, it was ball worship, but this specific deity up on the hill. And they would go up there and join into their feasts of their festivals and worship of their gods, which was, you know, let's all have a steak and then uh, have immorality. And in other words, it's a drunken orgy kind of a thing. They, that was their worship. And some of the people in the church were going up there. And he's saying, don't be unequally yoked. He's not just talking about husband and wife, uh, a marriage of a believer and unbeliever, but uh, he's talking both with the physical and the spiritual. And he kind of gives them the comparison. What does light have to do with darkness? Um what does God have to do with Belial? Obviously, Belial was kind of the God behind the little idols there. And this was the issue. If you're a son of God, a daughter of God, you cannot, in a marriage, be be unequally yoked because you are yoking yourself light to darkness. Something that is fundamentally the opposite of who you are now. And Paul says, don't do that. But underlying all that is that even if 
you don't think, obviously, you wouldn't think they're a bad person if you're marrying them, but what's behind them, what's kind of the camp they're in or what's got a little bit of their hook in them is dark, and you don't see it. And he's saying, be wise, don't do that. And he's trying to warn them. This is him being as honest as he can and trying to say that I've, I've suffered to bring this message and this hope to you. Don't go down that road and don't willingly subject yourself to that kind of that kind of unequally being yoked or that kind of sinful behavior by choice. And we have to maintain that as believers. We have to make that stand. And uh, the general thing when people come and want to get married, and I ask them, okay, so you want to marry that person? Are they a believer? Well, you know, they say they believe, believe in God or worse. They say, well, we really haven't talked about it. And I go, well, there's your answer. There's your answer right there. If the person you're marrying doesn't even want to talk about the Lord with you, doesn't want to glorify God and thank God for the blessing, uh, that's probably not a person you want to marry. <clears throat> and uh, the Bible actually prohibits it. So then we have, well, they're coming to church because they want to marry them, so they come to church. And then, unfortunately, you have the people that know they can't marry an unbeliever. They say, you can't, I can't marry you, you're not a believer. So they come to church and fake it until they can get married. Then once they're married, it's like the, the, the mask comes off. They're like, I'm not going back there. Forget it. Be wise. Marriage is not something to be entered into lightly. It is something to be entered into very seriously and to think about it and uh, be blessed in it. And I am very blessed in my marriage. Uh, it is so wonderful to be married to a person with the same love for the Lord or even greater um, and watch what God can do. And this is what we need to be encouraging each other for into. And it's not my job as a pastor to be really communicating that it's all of ours every time we see someone that is involved in a relationship with an unbeliever um, or wanting to marry somebody and and they're talking to you and you go wait you need to be Paul you need to say wait a minute what's the Bible say don't be yoked with an unbeliever it's, it will cause you heartache. It will cause destruction somewhere down the road. That's why God wants us to be loving enough with each other to help each other. Surely witness to the unsaved person, get them saved, but don't rush it and don't make that, well, you have to get saved to get married. And <laughs> that never works. I was like, okay, I'll say a prayer. <laughs> That's all I got to do, I'll say a prayer. Uh, it doesn't work. All right, let's move into Charles Spurgeon. Divine, ever-living, unchanging, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you, First Peter 1, 25. A human teaching, and all human teaching, and indeed all human beings, shall pass away as the grass of the meadow. But we are here assured that the word of the Lord is of a very different character, for it shall endure forever. 
we have here a divine gospel. And what word can endure forever but that which is spoken by the eternal God? We have here an everlasting gospel as full of vitality as when it first came from the lips of God, as strong to convince and convert, to regenerate and console, to sustain and sanctified as ever it was in its first days of wonder-working. We have an unchanging gospel, which is not today green grass and tomorrow hay, but always abiding truth of the immutable Jehovah. Opinions alter, but truth certified by God can no more change than the God who uttered it. Here, then, we have a gospel to rejoice in, a word of the Lord upon which we may lean all our weight forever includes life, death, judgment, eternity. Glory be to God in Christ Jesus for everlasting consolation. Feed on the word today and all the days of thy life. And that's the promise that we can rest in and glorify God in. Revel and just thank him that it's unchanging and true and we know we walk in the truth. But here is the as well a a warning to the church if God is enduring and unchanging and his truth is enduring and unchanging and we can have confidence in it and rest in it obviously that means we can't change it right obviously that means the word doesn't change and what we have today is the culture saying we have to change the word of God to fit our times oh it was 2,000 years ago it was for an ancient people and their customs were different and they had a different morality. Therefore, obviously, we have to accept homosexuality. We have to accept gender transitioning. And we have to accept people living together, not being married. And all of these things need to be accepted in the church. We need to rewrite our Bibles. And unfortunately, there are Bibles being rewritten and the only thing that does is it defines who is and who is not a Christian because a Christian is one who follows Christ, who follows his commands. As we're in First John, we're following and looking at the commands. I mean, not just First John, but the whole Bible. But Jesus spoke from his, those three years of his ministry, and he's re, reiterating the the laws it was meant to be to kept with the heart and then he says he's the fulfillment of the law and then you we follow all that he says and he gives us the instructions and he gives us talks about what a marriage is between a man and a woman he talks about the need to be married he talks he refers several times i mean the woman caught in adultery <laughs> the woman at the well who was not married to the man and in all of these areas he is giving instruction on what it is to follow him, that those who love him keep his commands. So if you don't keep his commands by Jesus' own words, you don't love him, which means you're not a follower, which means you're not a Christian. There's going to be a lot of people who can take a big issue with that <clears throat> all over the Internet now, and Christian music art, artists are now 
backing all of this stuff and uh, and saying we've got to uh, rethink our biblical doctrine or theology, and that is only will only destroy the church. It's the way the enemy is trying to destroy the church now, and we have to simply agree that the Bible says what it says. It doesn't change. Therefore, the church, we ourselves, should not change as well. Well, let's spend some time praying and thanking God for what we do have, the everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel which gives grace and gives forgiveness and gives life to those that will come. We're all sinners, and if we come, ask for forgiveness, and he can heal and cleanse and make us right and give us more than we could ever imagine, more than we deserve. So, Father, thank you for this morning, guiding us and directing us in your word, for the beauty of your word, all that you are teaching us and showing us. Thank you, God, that you are the God who can touch our lips and make us clean. We know that we are unworthy. We know that we cannot come to your presence unless we are touched. And now we're touched. The cleansing blood of of your Son, which cleanses us from all sin, and we thank you for that, God. We thank you for the grace that we have, and we thank you that we can walk in it and enjoy it. And thank you for guiding us and giving us the moral code that we need to live by, so that we can rest and enjoy our life. We can we we know that it is the right thing and the best thing for us, and then you can then. Use us to bless other people around us. So thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you're doing. Special blessing, God, for the service this evening and the way you can touch hearts and minister to people there. Thank you for those you're bringing, but continue to to grow us, God, because there's a lot of people in this town, in this city, that are hurting and that are lonely and that are looking or searching for truth, that want to grow and are confused and have been confused. So, Father, we pray that you'd draw those people in to the foot of your cross and to your feet so that you can touch them. May myself, all those working, volunteering in the church, just be the avenue by which they come and find you. So we thank you for the work that you're doing tonight, will do tonight, are doing now. Thank you for the worship, uh, the evangelism team. They'll be going out tomorrow. The, the mission team will be going out on Friday. And, uh, Father, those of us that have work days or school now uh, or just going out to visit friends as we are preparing meals and different things, uh, give us the ability to love people as you love them and help us, God, be a light in our world. Use us when we're on social media, Father, when we have telephone conversations. We desire, Father, to be your ambassadors be witnesses for you however you you want to use us and in that father pray we pray for the healing of those that are sick healing that need healings that need to be going on right now father you touch the sick and touch those that are crying out for you and that you would heal their body so thank you father in jesus name amen there you go we are done for today we'll be moving on tomorrow uh keep keeping up to date as we're moving through the whole year it's getting exciting as we are coming up to three quarters of the way through the bible 
and it's going to be exciting to get to the end because you know you know the end of the book is the best i love getting in the book of revelation and we're getting close we're getting there so keep it up um podcast available radio station calvarypv.com you can always listen to the music during the day and uh, look forward to seeing you guys tonight at 6 30 either virtually or live if you're in town please drop by and say hi come see us all right bye-bye